Welcome to the ministry of First Reformed Church of Aberdeen, South Dakota. Our worship services are at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. Now we join Pastor Hank Bone as he brings us God's Word. For our Bible reading, we turn in our Bibles to John chapter 9. Although our sermon is going to be from John chapter 10, the first six verses. So we'll read through John 10, 6. But really, you can't understand John chapter 10, the opening words anyway, unless you understand it's built upon and in response to what happens in chapter 9. So we will read this story of the man born blind who received his sight. So let us take heed to God's holy, infallible, and inspired word from John chapter 9. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him, who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. 
We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins and you are teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore your sin remains. Most assuredly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Beloved of God, over the next several Sundays, we will explore the subject of the shepherds of the sheep and their calling and duty toward the sheep of God. We are all sheep in the sense that we all as Christians have been redeemed by the, by the Lord but God gives unto, unto the church certain men whose duty it is to shepherd the flock of God. The shepherding requires four primary duties. To know, to feed, to lead, and to protect the sheep. The men in your midst called to this duty are the pastor and elders and deacons. These are all what might be understood as under-shepherds uh, who serve under the calling and authority of the good shepherd. They are to love the flock, even as the Lord Jesus loves the flock. 
and even more so because the Lord Jesus loves the flock. We love one another because Jesus loves us. The challenge to this task, however, is that this concept of shepherding, for the most part, is absent in most churches where the consistory are viewed more as administrators than as overseers. They keep the building in good maintenance. They see that the pastor is paid, and they deal with the organizational aspects of the church much like a business. But the calling to office by the Lord is not one to be a board member. It is to be an overseer of the church who serves the spiritual welfare of the members. There's a need for the institutional aspects to make the church run. These are what you might call the macro concerns, the, the bigger overriding concerns of the business, of the organization of the church, the institution aspects. But what I want us to pay attention to over the next few weeks are the micro concerns of caring for each of you as members of the flock of God. In John 10.3, Jesus said, the shepherd of the sheep calls his own sheep by name which speaks to the the need for those on the consistory to know each of you as an individual and not just as a member of the congregation. To understand Jesus' illustration here in John chapter 10, you must view it in the context of John 9, in the healing of the man born blind. And in, in the story of the blind man healed, we have a remarkable picture presented to us. I mean, think about, think about the situation. The man is seeing the world for the first time. It must have been an exhilarating moment for him. He goes to the pool, washes the water away, opens his eyes, and it's hard for us to imagine all he'd ever seen was black, darkness, nothing, voidness. He opens his eyes to color, and to to faces, and and to images, a a blue sky, and fluffy clouds, and green grass. He sees the face of his parents for the first time. An exhilarating moment in his life. This should be the happiest day in his life. But he becomes ensnared in the midst of, of a a political fiasco, which we are in tune to over the past number of years, of what goes on when one person is picked out and chosen for derision. And Jesus is the man. He is despised and detested by the world. What is it that John opens his gospel saying? Jesus came into his own, and his own received him not. They turned on him. And we see that here in John chapter 9. We read chapter 9 for a purpose because in it you see two different kinds of shepherds. The scribes and Pharisees were the pastors and elders of the church in their day. What you should see here is life given to this man who had spent his entire time in the world wholly dependent on others. As a child, he would have 
presented great challenges to his parents in raising him. He would have been in that category of special needs. And as a man, he's relegated to the life of begging to get by, begging in the promised land just to eat. But on this day, he now sees the blue skies, the green grass, and the face of his parents. But what is the concern of the church leaders? Not what a wonderful thing this is. It is whether this individual would now confess Christ. Would he point that this Christ is one who is to be worshipped? At first they tried to deny that this man had ever even been blind. A false miracle. He claims it, but it's not true. They interrogated his parents under the threat of church excommunication if they said Jesus was the one who healed him. In fear, they eluded the question and said, go ask the son what happened. They turned on the son, who res- they then turned toward the son who responded, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. But I see, he brought my sight back. How do you explain that? And with that, the young man was cast out of the synagogue. But Jesus seeks him out. The false shepherds versus the true shepherd. Jesus seeks him out. And he declares to him that he is the Son of God. He asks him a question. Do you believe in the Son of God? Remember the man's response? Who is he, Lord, that I may worship him? His heart was was there. He was desirous of serving and worshiping God. And Jesus said, I am he. The one talking with you is he. The one standing before you is he. I am the Son of God. And how does this young man then respond? He says, Lord, I believe. And then he, he worships him. The physical restoration of eyesight is but a a snapshot of the greater reality of spiritual life. This is the backdrop to John 10. But it is the real-life portrait of the theme of our passage today, of the good shepherd who comes to call and to lead his sheep one at a time. There will be three divisions in our sermon this morning. The way of the shepherd, the voice of the shepherd, and the leading of the shepherd. So first, considering the way of the shepherd. We see that in the first two verses, particularly in the the second verse where it says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now today, we're going to focus on the shepherd portions of this passage and only touch on the thief and robber portion to look more in depth at that in a later sermon. But we want to focus on the, the more positive aspects of who are the shepherds this morning. But what you need to see for today is that in verse 1, where he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Jesus is referring to men who have assumed leadership in the church, but they have not done so as a result of Christ calling them. These are false shepherds. 
the true shepherd of the sheep, enters into office being called by the Lord Jesus, who is the good shepherd. We see Jesus identify himself in verse 11 as the good shepherd. But here in verse 2, for today's message, recognize that Jesus is the door. And the shepherd is the one called by Christ to shepherd his sheep. And he comes through that door. He comes through Christ. That's the image that's before you. There are pastors, elders, and deacons who are called by the Lord, and they enter into their office through this call, through the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone who does not enter into the office, who assumes the office for personal reasons or gain, is there as a thief or a robber, and not for the good of the sheep. We will go more in depth here when we we look at Ezekiel 34 on the reasons why false shepherds come in, why people serve in the church for wrong reasons. But today what we need to note is that the true shepherd, one called by God to be involved in one of the offices in shepherding the sheep, enters into a life out of sacrifice and service to others completely. That's the Christian life, isn't it? To serve one another We see Jesus give that instruction in the upper room at the Last Supper when he takes the basin and he washes their feet. And he says, anyone who's going to enter into service in in my, my kingdom to shepherd my flock, this is the nature of it. It's a desire to humble oneself for the purpose of helping others and serving others. That's the nature of the church and the nature of the office. The true shepherd enters by the door through the Lord's providence. And the door is is open to him as the door is opened by the doorkeeper. Now, there may be two ways to think about the doorkeeper here. The first is that the Lord is the door and the doorkeeper. We would kind of think that. In fact, we would normally think that the shepherd here is Jesus. But actually, it's not. It's the minister's. It's the ones that Jesus are calling to shepherd the flock. And so we come through the door and the doorkeeper opens. The church officer enters into office to serve the Lord with the the right intentions. He is chosen by God and placed into his office to serve the Lord with the right intentions. He is chosen by God and placed into this specific service of overseeing the flock of God. The second possibility is that the doorkeeper is the church. The church officer is a gift to the church, recognized by the church because of their maturity in the faith and are a gift to the church, nominated and elected to office by the church in recognition of their call by God. So Christ is the door, but the church is the one who opens the offices. But the way is the same. That's what you need to see, is the way is the same. One who is called to serve in the offices of the church as an overseer must come through the door or the call of the Lord to serve. The church is instrumental in the process, and that's important. It's important to us to recognize that. Oddly, the sheep 
would be choosing their shepherds in their midst. But that kind of brings us to our next point. The voice of the shepherd. We see that in verses 3 and 4. Particularly in the statement where he says, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The imagery here is, is from the daily routine of, of tending sheep in Jesus' day. What would happen is, is that normally they'd be out in their pastures and at certain times they would come into town or wherever and they'd bring all the flocks in and they'd, they'd herd them into like a large holding area and there'd be one door to go in and out and you'd have all these different shepherds putting their flocks in there together and they all mingle together. And then the doorkeeper would stand guard over them and then all the other shepherds could go and tend to their business. They could sleep and eat and tend to whatever business they need to do. But then when the time came for the shepherd to grab his flock and go back out to the pasture land, he'd come in and the, the gatekeeper would recognize him and open the door and let him in and he'd go in and he'd begin calling his sheep. And the sheep would recognize his voice and they, they would follow him out. The other sheep would all remain because that's not their shepherd. Not only does he know the sheep by name, but the sheep know him. The sheep know him. It's a two-way mutual relationship. It's true for sheep. It's also true for, I found, for dairy cows. When I was in Minnesota, the neighbor next door, of course, all I had was the church was here, and the dairy farm was there, and there wasn't any community around. The community was further away. And I woke up one Sunday morning, and I was in my study, and I looked out, and and his cows would come down, and they would cross the road, and they would go into the pasture. And somehow the gate had gotten left open, and they came down, and they were headed down the road past the church to the soybean field. Fresh eatings, fresh greens. So I called up, called up Dick. He's one of our deacons. And I said, Dick, the girls are out. So he came running down, and I came out to try to, you know, help him. And the cows would have nothing to do with me. They moved away from me, but they would follow him. They would follow him. Why? Because he had a relationship with them. I didn't have a relationship with them. And so we see this concept of knowing those who you have care for. When it came time for the sheep to be collected, he would lead them back out to pasture. The doorkeeper would, would open the door, and, and they would hear his voice. And the key is that the sheep recognized him. In verse 4, the Lord said, And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know his voice. And we as Christians, as sheep, we recognize the voice of our shepherd. We recognize the voice of our shepherd. But what is the voice that the sheep recognize? It is the voice of the good shepherd. The, the shepherds of the sheep are chosen, called, and commissioned to bring the word of God. That is the word that is one voice. Whether it's myself or another pastor, as we faithfully preach God's word, what you receive is not my voice, but the voice of Christ. We become the mouthpieces for God's word. That's what you hear. That's what you recognize. John Calvin comments here, though he speaks here of ministers, 
Yet, instead of wishing that they should be heard, he wishes that God should be heard speaking by them. For we must attend to the distinction which he has laid down, that he alone is a faithful pastor or shepherd of the church who conducts and governs his sheep by the direction of Christ. Whether the pastor, elders, or deacons, as they come and they seek to minister to you and build you up in your faith, they do that with God's word. They bring God's word to you. That's what they're called to do. That's what they're commissioned to do. And this is important for you. You are the sheep and the officers of the church are your shepherds. And the way in which they are to oversee your life is by bringing the word of God directly into where you are with the purpose of building you up in your walk with the Lord. Where you are in your life. Every one of us have different lives. And the word of God comes and bears with us not exactly the same. It differs based on our maturity, based on our time in the Lord, based on the pressures of our life, based on our work, based on a number of factors. The word of God must be brought to bear in our lives. This is important in the sense that the church has a calling to nurture and build you up. But the reality is that this is an area where the whole church must do better. I don't just mean our church. I mean the visible church overall. I've been pastoring over 30-something years, and to be honest, I've never been in a congregation where they did an effective job in this area of what we call micro-shepherding, which is just a simple way of saying to shepherd to the individuals in the congregation. They were good at having the meetings and taking care of the the bigger things. But I've never been in a church where there was really that effective, intimate relationship from person to person. But what was the early church like? Do you remember how the apostles went from house to house ministering the word of God? Paul went in different communities and he ministered from house to house the word of God. We don't see that going on much in the church. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing, and we come together for a short period of time on Sunday mornings, and that's sort of the sum total of our spiritual walk. We don't see the church having much of an immediate presence in our life the rest of the week. And yet the early church, that was what aided it in its growth, that getting together and worshiping the Lord All the time, as sheep, you should be drawn to the voice of the shepherd. But on a personal level, the more intimately you are known by the officers in the congregation, the more they can call you by name, the greater benefit that will be to you spiritually. And the idea of calling by name has the emphasis of knowing you. It's not just recognizing you from the membership role or being able to say hi at the back door. It is the engaging you in your life. It means a willingness on your part to open your life to those responsible for your soul. Think about Hebrews chapter 13. There's two verses there, verses 7 
and 17. In verse 7, he says, Remember those who rule over you who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So they, the, the shepherds come to you, and they bring the word of God to you, but they do more than that as, as those who are leading, as those who are speaking, they set an example for you. And then he goes on in verse 17, he says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Well, at the same time that the shepherd is getting to know you, you are getting to know the shepherd. And and that is what's important. You need to know the voice of the shepherd. Who is the Lord Jesus? But that your elders are bringing that voice to you. This is a vital trust-building process that must be at the center of what the church is, what it is to you and what it is to me, what it is to each of us. That brings us really to our third point, the leading of the shepherd. We see that in verses 4 and 5, particularly where it says, and when he brings out his own sheep, He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Not only do they know his voice, they know his life. They know his walk. They know his frame. He leads them. The challenge to every pastor, elder, and deacon is to be exemplary Christians. If you look at the qualifications for the offices of elder and deacon in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, they are all marks of maturity in living the Christian life. They're not studies in theology and eschatology and ecclesiology. They're be good to your wife. Don't don't lie. Don't steal. Don't be a drunkard. They're things that are the qualities we all should possess. But they show a level of maturity in that. And I speak to you men out there, both young and old. You all should be aspiring to mature in the areas that Paul outlines here. These are not the characteristics only for the officers, but they are the qualities of biblical manhood. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, are the qualities for biblical manhood. You want to be a Christian man? Study those passages. Get on your knees each morning. Open them up. Pray over them. Pray and and call upon God to strengthen you in each of these areas. Those who hold office, this goes doubly for you. You are able to be an example to the flock so that by your life you are leading them in how they are to live. The shepherds in this church are to lead by voice and example. The shepherd goes in front, speaking. He leads by bringing the voice of Jesus to bear on the people's lives. Paul at one point says, follow me or imitate me as I follow Christ. That's the example. That that requires that those who are in office be men of the word. That does not mean theologians, although paying attention to doctrine is key to your calling. Reading good books is important for you to be able to understand doctrine and to grow in your faith. But there's another aspect to consider here, and it is that of listening to the many ministers and sermons and Bible studies and devotions 
that are available to you through, through all the various media outlets. And that's a wonderful thing. These are all wonderful things. But I want you to think about this. They are not appointed by Christ to be your shepherds. They are not your shepherds. They help you. They open God's word to you. They put your mind on, on those kinds of things. But they are not invested in your life. The leading that Jesus has instituted in the church is personal and intimate. It is relational, which means becoming involved in each other's lives. And you should be aware by now that the consistory has established teams of an elder and deacon, and they divide the congregation into three sections, and each team has families that they're calling on to try to, to, to make some headway in this area because we, we understand biblically that that's, that's important, important to you, and it's important to our congregation. Be open to this. It'll be very beneficial to the whole body of Christ. Help your shepherds to get to know you as you get to know them. You know, we are a family at First Reformed Church, and they are the heads of this family by your choice. Consider building on this in your knowledge of the members of the congregation. We're not a very large congregation. Every single one of you should know each other well. It's easy to only speak to those that you know and to neglect getting to know others in this congregation. But when you more and more come to realize we're all a family, we're all invested in each other by God's design and by God's providence. Every single one who's a member of our congregation is important to this congregation. God's called you here to bring something to the congregation. Perhaps someone has been mentioned in an announcement, and you ask, you have to ask, who is that? Well, the way to fix that is to reach out and to get to know someone you don't normally or maybe have never spoken to in this congregation. Every Sunday morning, look around and say, who's someone I really don't know that well? And go to them and say hi and ask about them. You know, don't just talk to the ones you know. Start to get to know the ones you don't know. There's various outlets we have to do that. Coffee chat is about that. You know, I had one, one person who said after about the second, maybe in the first or second year of that coffee chat, he said, I've gotten to know the people in this congregation better in the last year going to coffee chat than I have in the 20-something years previous to this. Because they're just simply interacting. And you get that opportunity at our, our picnics and ice cream socials and those kinds of things. Our, our opportunities where we visit and chat and get to know each other. And when you neglect to show up to those things, not only are you missing out on that opportunity, but you're not allowing others likewise to get to know you. Which is an important aspect of being part of the body of Christ. The sheep knowing the sheep is just as important as knowing the shepherd. Interestingly, this passage ended, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Jesus aimed his sharp rebuke at the Pharisees, when you look at nine, chapter 9, verse 40. But they did not understand what Jesus meant by being a shepherd leader in the church. And really the question that confronts us is, do we understand what it means? May God give us the grace to understand 
to embrace it, to benefit from it in all the ways that God has designed for it to be a benefit to us. And so may we all pray to that end. Amen. Our God and Father, as we enter into this study, this subject of of the good shepherd, of, of you, O Lord, as our shepherd, who appoints to us others to shepherd us, to be the very voice of God to us, to, to bring as shepherds those whom are the other sheep into the fold. We pray that we may undertake our task with understanding, with desire, with a, a commitment of love towards one another. And Father, may we be humble enough to receive that kind of relationship that you have designed to be the very nature of the church, as the church is bound together in love for one another. And so, Father, we ask your blessing upon the word that we have heard. Help us to think upon it. Help us to grow in our Christian maturity. Raise up for us men of faith to be shepherds in our midst. And Father, help us to find that bond of trust with them. Hear us now as we pray as you've taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.